This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The holidays are just around the corner and HelloFresh makes this busy time of year easier than ever with chef-crafted recipes and pre-portioned ingredients delivered right to your door. Get 65% off plus free shipping with code MLM65 at hellofresh.com slash MLM65. Are you afraid of the dark? Be honest. I know that many of us may be tempted to scoff at the question, to dismiss it without much consideration. I mean, I get it. We're not kids anymore, at least most of us anyway. Grown adults aren't scared of silly things like that. But I bet if you really think about it, even as an adult, you've been creeped out just a little bit by the dark. Admit it, you may have seen shadowy figures looming in the corner of your room or at the foot of your bed after you turn out the lights. In fact, you may be recalling a specific moment right now. We've all had to walk down streets or hallways that were shrouded in darkness and climb claustrophobic stairwells with corners that we couldn't see around. In these scenarios, we feel the threat of darkness as if it were evil itself. Our minds make it scary because we can't see in the dark. And if we can't see in the dark, we don't know what could be lurking there. And consequently, we as a species have collectively imagined a creature that represents the anxiety of not knowing what hides in the dark, the boogeyman. Every community has its version of a boogeyman. In the United States and other English speaking countries, the boogeyman is often portrayed as an amorphous specter of sorts who hides in dark spaces, under the bed or behind partially closed closet doors, waiting to frighten children who stay up past bedtime. In Spain, children learn early not to wander away from their parents or sneak out of the house at night because if they do, the hideous, gaunt and spindly sack man might steal them away. In Haiti, the unnaturally long-legged creature known as Metminwe skulks around the city streets after midnight, looking to catch and eat anyone who happens to be outside at such a late hour. And in Germany, the faceless horror that is Butsamon hides in the shadows, camouflaging itself with a black cloak, patiently waiting for children to toddle by so he can pounce on them and drag them, kicking and screaming into the dark recesses of the city. There are many, many other examples of such boogeymen and boogie women for that matter throughout the whole world, but they all seem to embody and express the same terrifying theme. They all seem to be non-human creatures with eerily recognizable, but somehow not quite right human features. They all seem to dwell on the fringes of society and lurk in the darkest corners and shadows, often in dense cities or thick forests. And they all seem eager to mysteriously unburden parents from their naughty children. Boogeyman folklore seems to be universal and it's a byproduct of human communities themselves. And as such, it should come as no surprise that the internet, our newest and arguably largest community, has also produced its own boogeyman, the Slenderman. But to say that Slenderman is simply the internet's boogeyman is a bit of an understatement. 
You see, unlike other boogeyman throughout history, Slenderman has been blamed for several acts of real world violence. The most notable and disturbing of which is the 2014 murder attempt that occurred in Waukesha, Wisconsin. This infamous incident brought Slenderman into the mainstream, not only because the Slenderman lore seemed to inspire the attack, but also because it shockingly involved three 12-year-old girls. One victim, brutally restrained, stabbed 19 times and left for dead by her two supposed best friends. So how did Slenderman jump from being an internet sensation to a real life boogeyman and inspiration for violence? They were trying to please a make-believe character called the Slenderman. Do you remember leaving the park to go to the woods? Who the heck is Slenderman? Crime carried out to please the fictional character Slenderman. Pete Zervakis was in the court. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, and welcome to the Halloween special episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to discuss the Slenderman lore and take a close look to see if we can actually make sense of why it seems to inspire attempted murder. Although Slenderman is obviously not an MLM, nor is it part of an MLM, we're going to actually talk about the occult nature of an internet phenomenon, and it only felt appropriate for a Halloween episode. Because truthfully, reality can be more terrifying than fiction. Now, it's important to keep in mind that there have been multiple violent incidents surrounding Slenderman, and it's important to examine those closely. For today's episode, we're going to primarily focus on the Waukesha incident and examine the others as context for better understanding as to what might be actually going on here. Chances are, unless you've been living without an internet connection for the past decade or so, you've probably heard of the Slenderman. Slenderman is, according to Know Your Meme, a mythical creature often depicted as a tall, thin figure wearing a black suit and a blank face who can stretch and shorten his arms at will and has tentacle-like appendages protruding from his back. And yes, I am aware that Know Your Meme isn't exactly a usual source, but it's Slenderman. And honestly, that's a pretty clear and concise description of the now iconic Slenderman character. But While that imagery is fairly simple, it's also quite striking and upsetting. From this description, we get a sense that Slenderman is a towering figure. We also know that Slenderman's face is blank, which is a description that can be absolutely terrifying for a human-like figure, but also simultaneously so vague and open to interpretation that your mind starts to panic as it tries to make sense of things. Slenderman is the stuff of nightmares precisely because our minds can't make sense of him. So he dwells deep in our psyches instead. Slenderman fundamentally taps into the same raw materials as any respectable boogeyman. But unlike all the other boogeymen, Slenderman is a product of the internet. And as such, he is so much more than just a tall, faceless, suit-wearing figure. His lore is highly interactive and therefore highly conducive to interpretation and rapid evolution in a way that's unique to internet media. 
sometimes such uniquely interactive media can be highly cathartic. It can blur the lines between fact and fiction, especially for those who are unusually imaginative or who may not be socially and psychologically equipped to process creepypasta-esque concepts. The lines can get so blurry, in fact, that some people may actually misinterpret fiction for fact. In the case of the Slenderman lore, such delusions can inspire horrific, violent acts. As I mentioned earlier, the Slenderman character specifically and the Slenderman mythos generally has been blamed for multiple acts of violence, a few of which we will touch upon in this episode. But before we get to the horrific murder attempts and trying to unravel what happened there, let's continue to try to get that better understanding of Slenderman. Now, the origins of Slenderman can be traced back to 2009 to a series of eerie photoshopped pictures that were submitted to a Photoshop contest hosted by the website somethingawful.com. Something Awful for the Uninitiated is a long-standing comedy, satire, and meme-generating website that famously pioneered the Photoshop Friday concept. And if this sounds suspiciously like crack.com to you, that's because the two websites are actually very similar, except something awful predates Cracked by about six years. The site was calling for creepy Photoshop submissions for their Create Paranormal Images thread, and it was the intent to collect these ideas for modern urban legends. One contributor named Eric Knutson, otherwise known by his internet handle, Victor Surge, submitted a couple Photoshopped pictures looking as if they originated from the 1980s and featured a blurry, tall figure behind a group of school kids. Along with the photos, he also submitted texts that suggested 14 children and the photographer had disappeared. Before long, the images wound up on 4chan, went viral, then exploded everywhere on the internet, eventually spawning what became arguably the most famous creepypasta of all time. According to Indiana University folklorist, Jeff Tolbert, it became a phenomenon that I don't think anybody could have predicted. Since Netson's images first went viral, Slenderman has evolved from a creature whose original creepypasta describes him as simply taller than any man could be, thinner even than the willowy branches that extend ever upward from a tree to a creature who can shorten or lengthen his arms and who has tentacles and various appendages protruding from his back, the real Lovecraftian eldritch horror. To this very day, millions and millions of people continue to contribute to the Slenderman lore, posting their own imaginative accounts of Slenderman on blogs, image sites, forums, and social media outlets. Pretty soon, a devoted community emerged acting almost as a curator for Slenderman lore. The YouTube show Marble Hornets, for example, not only brought the Slenderman concept to a wider audience, but also made significant contributions to the Slenderman canon. Much of what most people know today about Slenderman comes from internet content communities like Marble Hornets, and those communities can be fiercely protective of their lore. As Tolbert explains, There were a few instances where someone would try to take Slenderman in a different direction, but there is a sort of consensus about Slenderman. People collectively take on some bits and reject others. It's not hard to imagine how the meme power of the internet and a devoted, perhaps borderline obsessed online fan base could create the perfect storm for things to go too far. A 12 year old girl stabbed 19 times 
by two of her classmates. They were trying to please a make-believe character called the Slender Man. And for the first time, the victim's mother explains the impact on her daughter. Before we begin to talk about the Slenderman stabbing crime that took place, I want to note here that the only purpose of this section is to try and better understand why this happened. And this is a small attempt to examine the role that the supposed Slenderman may have played in it. With that being said, let's continue. Three young teens, Morgan Geyser, Anissa Wire, and Peyton Leitner, all lived together in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Morgan especially spent a lot of time immersing herself in creepypastas. Creepypasta, for those who may not know, is basically a catch-all term for internet horror content derived from copypasta, which is used to describe content on the internet spread via copy and pasting text throughout. But unlike the genre of horror seen in literature and film, creepypastas incorporate methods of communication unique to the internet, such as blogs, forums, photographs, and social media sites to cultivate an immersive horror experience. Although Morgan really seemed to find community and solace in this part of the internet, Peyton was a bit disturbed by it. I thought it was odd. It kind of frightened me a little bit, Peyton said, but I went along with it. I was supportive because I thought that's what she liked. Morgan soon became infatuated with the stories, images, and the burgeoning mythology of Slenderman. Their devotion to the mythology was so strong, in fact, that it started to bleed into reality. Slenderman was quickly becoming more real to the girls than reality itself. And again, Peyton was scared of how obsessed her friends were with Slenderman. She even considered ending her friendship with Morgan altogether, but she was an empathetic kid and she didn't wanna hurt her feelings. Peyton had been close to her even before Anissa came along. She knew that Morgan wasn't all that popular and believed that everyone deserved at least one friend. Once Anissa entered the picture, she too took to the creepy pastas and internet folklore. Peyton said that the two of them were a toxic combination, each of them seemingly feeding off of the other. Still, they were her friends. And so she joined them for Morgan's birthday party and sleepover. There was no way she could have known that her so-called friends intended on sacrificing her. Initially, Morgan and Anissa planned on killing Peyton in her sleep. They planned out the murder far in advance, but soon abandoned the idea because as the pair later claimed, they just didn't have the energy. A new plan was formed to attack her in a park restroom thanks to the convenient aid of a drain, but that fell through as well. The reason to bring up these failed ideas or attempts to murder Peyton is to show that these two had every chance to stop, to think about what they were doing. But every time they chose to continue on with a new variation of the plot to murder their friend. Ultimately, Morgan suggested that they all played hide and seek as a means of distracting Peyton. The sick game resulted in Morgan stabbing Peyton 19 times. Even more disturbing is that Morgan toyed with Peyton telling her to stay quiet and still, assuring her that she was going to get help when that was not even, not even remotely close to the reality. Peyton was left alone for four hours before a bicyclist was fortunate enough to discover her. Peyton needed extensive surgery and doctors were amazed that she had survived in the first place. One of the operators recalling that day stated, quote, if the knife had gone the width of a human hair further, she wouldn't have lived. Peyton is a survivor, and the crime against her was truly and utterly senseless. Morgan and Anissa were supposed to be her friends. She trusted them, and yet they showed absolutely no remorse for their actions. 
Both girls thought Slenderman was real and they needed to kill Peyton in order to appease him somehow. Otherwise, their families would be killed. From the outside looking in, it seems incredibly nonsensical. Why were these young girls so determined to hurt Peyton and so firm in their beliefs? Some have blamed unmonitored internet usage, mental illness, or the loyal, intense bond between Morgan and Anissa. Whatever the reason may be, it can't possibly take away Peyton's suffering and her hurt. Thankfully, she is alive, and she even found the strength to testify against Morgan and Anissa in court. In a 2019 interview with ABC News, Peyton said, quote, I've come to accept all the scars I have. It's just a part of me. I don't think much of them. They will probably go away and fade eventually. According to that same interview, she now sleeps with a pair of broken scissors under her pillow, just in case. I'm gonna take a moment to put today's sponsors here. Truthfully, there is no really good place to put them in this episode. So I'm gonna use this as a breathing space. We did just hear some really, really terrifying and horrific details. So use this as a moment to just sit and think for a moment to reconsider if you want to continue going forward in today's episode, it's your call. But with that being said, here are today's sponsors. The most wonderful time of the year is also the most hectic time of the year. Everyone puts off shopping until the last minute. And if you have an online store, you know the feeling of getting hit with a ton of orders at once and maybe even feeling a little bit panicked about what to do. But when you're buried in orders and emails from stressed customers this holiday season, you'll sure as hell wish you had ShipStation. And ShipStation works with all of your favorite places to sell online, including Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, and more. You can manage every order from one simple dashboard, automate routine shipping tasks, ship printing labels, and easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize every shipment every time. And when I'm saying this is super easy, I'm saying it is super easy. Their dashboard is extremely easy. It took me all of five minutes to figure out. It is simply, you know, look at it, click, point, it delivers options and it helps you make the decision quickly. It shows you exactly how information should be displayed in the order, obviously, of in terms of shipping, how fast it's going to be, and also the shipping cost to each exact customer. It is super easy to compare and contrast what you need versus what you don't need. And many other amazing stores also use ShipStation already, including Chubby's, Conscious Box, Saddleback Leather, Daily Look, Latched Mama, and Passion Planner. So this holiday season, give yourself the gift of stress-free holiday shipping. Use promo code MLM today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, use promo code MLM. If you're like me, there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in school. It's never too late though, if you wanna start with Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, you can finally cross learning that new language off your list. And although I was using Babbel to learn Italian for a little bit and really just kind of refresh myself with the language since I used to speak it decently well, I wouldn't say fluently, but conversationally, I decided that I should take a different route with Babbel. And I've decided to start learning French or at least trying to understand French since as many of you know, I am absolutely terrible at my French pronunciations. What's really great about Babbel is you only need about 10 minutes to complete a lesson. So you can start having real life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. And their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. 
You can choose from 14 different languages, including French and Italian, obviously, but you can also choose something like Spanish and German too. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it all comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com MLM. That's babbel.com MLM. And they told her they were gonna go get her help, but Anissa flat out said, no, we weren't getting her help. We wanted her to die. I got up and then just walked. Now, we all know that the internet made me do it is a terrible excuse for attempted murder. But the really fucked up thing about this whole scenario is that these two girls were so immersed in the community and mythology of Slenderman that they kind of became flat out delusional. What's even worse is that according to police testimony, these girls were behaving like they were fulfilling some kind of grandiose prophetic scheme, even speaking as if they were characters exchanging dialogue in some sort of literary supernatural horror story. As detectives had earlier described it, both Anissa and Morgan were calm and aloof. Morgan in particular, after being interrogated for hours at a police station, her shirt saturated with Peyton's blood, might I add, acted bored and apathetic, completely unaffected by what she had just done. There's a fairly infamous Nightline episode which shows interrogation footage that makes the girls seem incredibly out of touch. Their careful and deliberate responses to police questioning sounds like an improvised audition for American Horror Story. During the interrogation, they continually refer to Peyton as Bella and insist that she had to die. When one officer asked Morgan if she realized what she had done and asked her if she felt bad about what happened, Morgan simply replied, I thought about it, but then I realized that remorse would get me nowhere. It's better to live without regrets. As the interrogation went on, police learned that Morgan was clearly the ringleader. And not only that, but this whole attack was super premeditated. Morgan had planned the attack for six months. When they searched her home and her affects, they discovered that she had done thousands of internet searches for things like how to get away with murder. What kind of insane am I? And they found loads and loads of creepy Slenderman drawings and other devotional media. This, coupled with all the incriminating comments the girls blurted out during the interrogation, led both girls to be charged as adults for attempted murder in the first degree. But before the girls could go to trial, it came out that Morgan had attunement disorder, also known as schizophrenia, just as her father did when he was a teen and he was actually hospitalized for it as well. This revelation is significant because various studies have shown that people with this disorder may be more prone to violent crimes. This can largely depend on their diagnosis and treatment and results change depending on how different studies were conducted. But the connections between violence and Morgan's psychosis were established, which allowed her to enter a plea of not guilty by reason of incompetence because of her mental illness. A very lengthy psychological examination ensued, which delayed the trial for a few months until the judge ultimately determined that the girls could, in fact, comprehend the terms of being charged and were therefore competent to stand trial. 
From March 2015 to September 2017, Morgan and Anissa's legal team submitted a series of pleas and appeals until finally the judge found them not guilty due to mental illness and sentenced them to time at Winnebago Mental Health Institute for psychiatric treatment. Anissa was sentenced to 25 years in 2017, and then later in 2019, Morgan was sentenced to 40 years at the same facility. The girls aren't likely to spend that entire time away from society, however. Recently, in September, 2021, Anissa was granted conditional release as a judge found that there is no clear and convincing evidence that the defendant poses a substantial risk of harm to others, herself, or serious property damage. And on June 23rd, 2022, relying on the precedent set for Anissa the previous year, Morgan also filed for her release. Regardless, while these girls may have been unstable and possibly maladjusted, they still planned an attempted murder. So the question arises, could the Slenderman phenomenon actually have caused the stabbing? Is there something inherently triggering about this particular set of lore? Or is there something inherent in this kind of immersive internet activity that can cause such violence? Well, As I alluded to earlier, this disturbing stabbing isn't the only violent act that's been blamed on Slenderman lore. In fact, a mere week after the Waukesha stabbing, Jared Miller, a white supremacist and anti-government activist who often dressed up like Slenderman, and his wife, Amanda, they ambushed and killed two cops and one civilian in Las Vegas before committing mutual suicide. While Slenderman is probably not directly responsible for this one either, it's just interesting that he chose to commit such heinous actions wearing a party city morph suit. In June, 2014, a Cincinnati mother claimed that Slenderman inspired her 13-year-old daughter to attack her with a knife. The woman said that during the attack, her daughter was wearing a white mask, had her hood pulled up, and her sleeves pulled beyond her hands to imitate unnatural elongation of her limbs. The mother claimed her daughter seemed to be someone else during the attack. And then later in September of that same year, a 14-year-old girl who was inspired by Slenderman and other dark stories was arrested for setting fire to her family's Florida home. She set the fire after getting into an argument with her family and was eventually charged with attempted murder. The girl's mother and nine-year-old sister survived the attempt. So what exactly is going on here? Is the character or the urban legend of Slenderman somehow turning people, especially teens and preteens, into murderous, knife-wielding, arsonist psychopaths? According to Andrew Peck, a professor of folklore at the University of Wisconsin, Slenderman might appeal to so many people because he is faceless, amorphous, and he can be whatever you want him to be. You can personalize the character to make it your own, says Peck. He can be a lot of things. That's what I think makes it so successful that he's mysterious and unknowable. He then goes on to explain the academic folklore concept of ostension, which is essentially the act of performing a legend in real life. But what is it about Slenderman specifically that connects him to these violent acts? As Peck is careful to mention, Slenderman, according to his lore, doesn't actively murder. He's more of an essence, an ethereal being that's somehow always looming and watching, but also just beyond reality. Maybe Slenderman's indefiniteness is what makes him a convenient scapegoat for attacking people. In Art Crime, What Beware the Slenderman says about blaming artists for violence, author Sean Collins discusses how taking inspiration from disturbing art to commit murder is nothing new. 
He cites how the movie Natural Born Killers sparked a crime spree and shootings, how subversive shock rock star Marilyn Manson is often blamed for violence, and how Stephen King's book Rage was blamed for multiple school shootings and hostage crises. He then discusses how in each case, society blames the artists whose art inspired such violence as irresponsible or even deliberately malicious. And in each case, it's easy to find someone to blame because each of those works of art has a known artist. But in the case of Slenderman, there is no one artist behind him, at least not in the mimetic form that Morgan and Anissa had encountered. With no artist in place, says Collins, it becomes clear how fallacious it is to pin the blame on artists for the actions of disturbed individuals. He says that it's pointless to blame art because people are simply looking for a boogeyman to explain the unexplainable. And I do see his point, but his argument that art doesn't kill people, people kill people is a bit dismissive too. I want to know if there's anything unique about the Slenderman mythos that makes it a bit more influential. And as it turns out, this just might be the case. In a study called The Internet Made Me Do It, the authors discussed the phenomenon called problematic internet use or PIU and how it correlates with depression and aggressive behavior, especially amongst adolescents. PIU describes internet use that's time-consuming, markedly distressing or uncontrollable, which results in social, occupational or financial difficulties. So take some outcast preteens, add in some PIU with an internet meme that serves as an outlet for humanity's dark tendencies, add a clinical instability to properly regulate thoughts and perception, and you have the perfect recipe for some truly horrific violence. Maybe as the tagline for something awful, Slenderman's site of origin states, the internet makes you stupid. The fact remains, however, that Slenderman continues to be immensely popular so popular that his character and mythology have shaped an entire region of the internet. One would assume that if Slenderman was inherently problematic and caused violence, given the character's notoriety, might I add, that there'd be a lot more Slenderman-inspired violent incidents in the world. So just to confirm, no, I don't think the internet's boogeyman causes violent acts. He doesn't cause murders, stabbings, or anything of the like. But I do think that dangerous or lost people will look into his lore and infamous internet presence as something to cling to or find solace in. It can be hard to believe that the same internet forums which spawn tales of haunted game cartridges and a dog known for smiling could inspire such a horrific and grotesque crime. But with all of that being said, that is where I'm going to end today's episode. I'm grateful that you joined me to the end. It is a dark and rough episode, so please stay safe out there. And it's Halloween for those of you that are, I don't know, going to entertain trick-or-treaters, do parties, whatever. Just be safe out there. Bye.